This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review. It is Friday. We are doing questions. Daphna. I love question day. Yeah, question day is the best. (laughs) We made it. We made it. Uh, For the people who are keeping tabs on what we're announcing, I think Daphna and I are going to have a series of episodes before the end of the year where we talk about individual initiatives that we're launching whether it is the NICU Life in Between, whether it's the Neonatal Network. So stay tuned for that. And as we mentioned on the main channel, if you have stories uh, where something that happened on the podcast led to something happening in the NICU or in your life that helped a baby or helped outcomes get better, we would love to hear them. So you can send us an email. You can even send us a voice note if you want. Mm -hmm. And we want to share some of these stories uh, that are coming in from around the world uh, on our end of year show. So we would love to we would love to do that. Um, so send them in and and yeah. And we we can keep comments anonymous. Yeah, so you don't have we don't have to say yeah. who you are, what your name is, but you can just like, yeah. So I mean, we can we can share one. We we had a, a doc who told us that basically we were discussing SVT and he was listening to that mm-hmm. episode in the car and he arrived in the unit and the kid was in SVT and he was like, oh, perfect. <laughs> and, I primed. Uh, to he was a, he was baby. able to manage the baby quite mm-hmm. easily because this was all like he said fresh in his mind um, and that's really cool to hear. Um, and so yeah, so this is and I think also as we bring in more voices on the show, whether it is some of our foreign languages and some, whether it is our guest host, like Lindsay, who came on uh, the last time. I think it will, it will be very rewarding uh, for the people who are participating to see the actual real-life impact the podcast can have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Am I starting today, Daphna? Yes. All are. right. So we're doing pulmonary question 18. Daphna, a female infant is delivered at 25 weeks of gestation. After intubation in the delivery room, the respiratory therapist administer intratracheal surfactant, which of the following surfactant protein is not present in natural surfactant produced from bovine or porcine lung. Is it surfactant protein A, choice A, surfactant protein B, choice B, surfactant protein C, choice C, D, all are present in natural surfactant? Okay. Well, at first, it sounds like a hard a question, but I remember that the real, um, the critical proteins for uh, surfactant uh, function are B and C. So my guess is that those are the ones you tried to put in. And I remember this was a practice question too, also. Um, that there was no uh, like clinical syndrome associated with a surfactant protein D deficiency. So maybe that one's not useful. Um, so I went with A, not present. All right. That is correct. All right. So um, 
it's interesting that we have some synthetic surfactants, we have some natural surfactants. So the three types of natural surfactants that we have are biractant, cofactant, and poractant. And none of them contain surfactant protein A. Mm -hmm. Biractant, which is uh, trade name is Cerventa, is from uh, bovine lung, and it includes uh, DPPC. I'm not going to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. It's, it's for the people who don't know. It's Friday, but we're recording very late at night, so <laughs> I'm not trying. It contains DPPC, SPB, surfactant protein B, and surfactant protein C. So all these, all these uh, animal or natural surfactants contain both protein B and C. InfraSurf, which is calfactant, contains DPPC, surfactant B, and C. And CuraSurf contains DPPC, surfactant protein B, and surfactant protein C. But it's porcine. But it's porcine. It's from pork, right? So InfraSurf and Cerventa are bovine, and CuraSurf is pork. Um. In terms of synthetic surfactant, we have Exosurf, which has no proteins, a mix of lipids, DPPC, hexadecanol, and tyloxapol. Tyloxapol? Maybe. <laughs> then we have surfaxin, which contains DPPC, um, palmitoyl, phosphatidylglycerol, and it contains some surfactant protein B. And then finally, we have ALEC, which is, contains DPPC, glycerol, and is protein-free. So anyway, I don't think the synthetic surfactant are really high yield, but mm -hmm. definitely the the uh, the two bovine InfraSurf and Cerventa and the porcine CuraSurf, and they basically all have a similar composition. Um, now I feel bad that I didn't say DPPC. I'll I'll <laughs> uh, let me pull it up because it's. Uh, it is in our, uh, it is in our uh, diphosphatidylcholine, I think it is. Anyway, oh, it doesn't matter. Okay, moving on. Moving on. I'm taking the L on this one. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll give you pulmonary question 19. I know you can get this one right. Which of the following correctly describes a type 1 pneumocyte? A, covers a majority of the alveolar surface. B, cuboidal in shape. C, a progenitor to, to type 2 cells. Or D, secrete surfactant. So it's a good thing I asked you to clarify that that Tuesday. But uh, <laughs> I remember that you mentioned that they were few in numbers, but covered the majority of the surface area of the alveolar. So that means A. But I have to say, choice C, it gets me all the time. I know. Because, because one comes before two. Yeah, so progenitor to... So first of all, maybe it's my... Uh, French background that's now getting to me, but progenitor to type two cell, uh -huh. meaning, what does that even mean? <laughs> the the progenitor means it comes first. Oh, so type one makes type two basically. Okay, no, and Which you told incorrect. us that type two yeah. can be can it's a big number that can be divided to like right. one and one. Okay, but the progenitor term is confusing to me. So. <laughs> Okay, so well, even better, <laughs> even better. Secrete surfactant, we know it's type two. Cuboidal, you say that the number two is like big and cub cuboidal almost. Mm -hmm. So it's A, good. It's just A, covers the majority Very of the alveolar good. surface. Yeah. Okay, to uh, summarize, type one pneumocytes, they're spread thinly and flatly across the alveolar surface. They actually cover almost 90% of the surface, but um, uh, they're still less 
of them in number than the type two cells. Um, they just are so flat that they take up the majority of the surface. Um, they're shaped like a fried egg and they have tight junctions. They are important in gas exchange. They have no gene material for surfactant and they are derived from the type two cells. And to review, the type two cells are cuboidal in shape. They comprise about 10% of the alveolar surface in terms of surface area, but there are actually more of them compared to type one pneumocytes in the cells of the alveolar lining. Uh, they are our type two uh, cells important in surfactant metabolism and secretion. That's where the lamellar bodies are made that store surfactant, and they are the progenitor to type one cells. So type two cells can differentiate into type one cells. Okay. I'm reading the following question that I have to ask you, and I realized that that's right. You have to say all the words. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Okay, pulmonary question 24. <laughs> Which of the following is the largest component of surfactant? Oh, you surfactant? thought you weren't going to get to say it. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, so which of the following is the largest component of surfactant? Choice A, phosphatidylcholine disaturated. Choice B, phosphatidylcholine monosaturated. Choice C, phosphatidylglycerol. Choice D, surfactant proteins. So you want to know, like, in percentage, which uh -huh. one makes up the most, right? Well, I don't want to know, but somebody wants to Somebody know. wants to know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this is actually a tricky question because this is not the exact same term that we used. But mm. we did talk a lot about DPPC, as previously stated, and that's the disaturated form. I also, in my studying, I remembered that the disaturated form of phosphatidylcholine was present in almost double the amount of monosaturated phosphatidylcholine. So that's how I just remembered that the it, there was more disaturated. It was double the amount of monosaturated phosphatidylcholine. So A. Yeah, and I remember you you did mention that on our <laughs> on the uh, OG version of the podcast. That's right, the OG. <laughs> That's right. Oh, those were uh, the days. <laughs> yeah. Well, we only did questions. But I think that's very helpful, right? Because mm -hmm. I remember when you said that, that um, so you know, then you only have to remember one, basically, mm -hmm. maybe two. Mm -hmm. But monosaturated phosphatidylcholine is 20%, right? So that's all you need to remember. So it's like 20%. Then Daphna told you that disaturated phosphatidylcholine, also known as D-palmitoylphosphatidylcholine, DPPC, is twice that. So that's like 40 to 50%, right? So then you know that monosaturated is 20, that DPPC is about 50. So that's already 70%, right? So that yeah. covers a lot. And then I remember, because I'm still surprised at like surfactant proteins, which is sort of what we really, really uh, want, is only 8%. It's yeah. only eight percent of surfactant. Isn't and that crazy? It's crazy, and then the rest is just whatever. But uh, yeah, that is correct. So DPPC um, is fifty percent, and then the monosaturated is only twenty percent. And I guess in order of in order of magnitude, right? So if we had to rank them based on this question, number one would be the one you chose: a phosphatidylcholine disaturated. Number two would be monosaturated. That's twenty percent. And then you would have the phosphatidylglycerol is 8% in, 
tied with surfactant protein at 8%. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so phosphatidylglycerol is 8%, surfactant protein is 8%, neutral lipid is also 8%, and then you have all these other phospholipids that's 6%. Okay. That wasn't so hard. You know, I could have done without, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, we've got one more question. Actually, I think there are a lot of good learning points of this question, which we have not covered so far this week. So this is pulmonary question 36. An infant born at 26 weeks gestation has severe respiratory distress, prompting intubation and surfactant administration. The infant's chest radiograph has findings consistent with surfactant deficiency. Of the following, the most accurate statement about the efficacy of exogenous surfactant is... A, antenatal steroids decrease an infant's response to postnatal surfactant. B, higher volume of surfactant may improve distribution. C, lower volumes of fetal lung fluid may result in a better distribution of surfactant. D, slow rate of administration enhances surfactant distribution in the lungs. Or E, a younger gestational age improves efficacy of surfactant administration. We did that question. I remember mm -hmm. that question. Mm -hmm. We had a whole discussion about it. Mm -hmm. You had given us some story about like something that you did at the bedside that one of your mentors taught you about like how it went fast. That's right. She said, you, you have, you, we have to do this as soon as possible when there's <laughs> still, when the lungs are still wet. That's what she said. I remember that story. <laughs> I remember that story. So, so that, that gives you a hint. <laughs> yeah. It's not lower volumes of fetal lung right. fluids, right? I remember that. Um, uh, I know that A is incorrect. Any of the steroids doesn't decrease the infant's response. Um, slow rate of administration enhances surfactant distribution in the lungs. That is incorrect. Uh, younger gestational age improves efficacy of surfactant administration. That is like the one thing I did learn that is the most confusing to actually mm -hmm. for me. It's the most confusing fact for me to accept, actually. <laughs> That's right. Because you're thinking, well, if they have the least shouldn't they improve the most? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but no. Uh, anyway, so I guess my answer is B, higher volume of surfactant may improve distribution. And I have to say that it's thanks to the podcast and your story that I remember that answer. <laughs> that's right. So uh, that's exactly right. That is the correct answer. A higher volume of surfactant may improve distribution. And there are many variables that contribute to surfactant distribution in the, in the lungs, some of which we've talked about, some of which we haven't. So surface activity, that wasn't one of the answer choices, but this is essential for absorption and spreading. So gravity, surfactant is best distributed to the large airways using a liquid form because it's distributed with the assistance of gravity. And we talked about this a little bit in uh, like the doses needed for um, like the, in the nebulized treatment um, because it's not a liquid. Okay. Um, volume, the higher the volume of surfactant, the better the distribution rate of administration. So rapid surfactant administration leads to better distribution ventilator settings. So having, um, that added pressure and, um, positive end expiratory pressure helps distribute surfactant by clearing fluid from, uh, the airways. But of note, a higher volume of fetal lung fluid or edema fluid can result in a better distribution of the surfactant. So that's what um, my uh, one of my attendings taught me is that you, it's better. What's the name to of that attending? <laughs> that's uh, Dr. Cacho from the mm -hmm. University of Florida. So um, 
that's what she taught me is that yeah. it's better to give surfactant as close to delivery as possible. Um, uh, what else? So you touched on this uh, with uh, your thought about the last answer choice, um, and it's an infant with a more advanced gestational age may respond more favorably to surfactant administration. And that's really because they already have more surfactant. <laughs> uh, so they yeah. have a, a bit, they're closer to that threshold of keeping the alveoli open. And then studies have shown improved outcomes with surfactant after exposure to antenatal steroids. I think one of the points that um, trips people up a lot, it's that antenatal steroids decrease alveolarization uh, in, in the lung development, but, um, improved response to surfactant. All right. Okay. We're done. I think so. All right. That was good. <laughs> um, thank you to everybody who listened. We will see you Sunday for a fresh episode of journal club. And reminder, we're going to have some more guests on board review. And if anybody else wants to join us, uh, yeah, absolutely. And now you have a, a proof of concept. I think Lindsay That's did right. a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. If you want to do something like she did, let us know. We do. It's an SCME approved activity. There's an honorarium. Not that money should should motivate you. This is, and this is a fun experience. Everybody who's done the podcast said it is fun. So yeah, at least that we have fun. Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. See you later. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.